Good morning. Our God is good. And all the time. Amen. Our God is good. Amen. Um, and we said, I'm glad to see all your beautiful faces. I'll just borrow that phrase from you. I'm glad to see all your beautiful faces. Amen. Faith, how are you? Oh, she can hear her name. Whoa. Our God is good all the time. He's good. He's faithful. You know why we were singing all the song this morning and I was just, you know, singing. And there is one of them. Um, I think I can remember just. I, don't, I can't remember every part of it, but I know that that's the song that really touched me and really saw me through when I was going through some difficult moment with my health. And that's why I say when we sing, it's not just singing. You know what? The words are very powerful. If you can, those words can minister to your spirit. Um, I think it's one, in him alone, you can help me. Yeah, not, but, not I, but Christ in me. Amen? Yeah. But can I just have it? For some reason, I just want, maybe just one of the verses for us to pray. Yeah. No, not that one. Christ in me. Yeah, what gift of grace. Yeah. To this I hope, my hope is only Jesus. For my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing all is mine. Yet not I, but true Christ in me. Hallelujah. I remember I had so much challenges with my health. And um, it's Kerry who introduced that song. And that Sunday, when that song was singing, you know, I was just listening and I was crying. You know, when you go through the pain, and I'm sure that we've all been there. Through those moments where you go through pain and you go through difficulties and through challenges. And sometimes you can talk to people, yes, they will comfort you. But you need that comfort that comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. And I remember listening to the song and when I went back home, I played that song for like a whole week. You know, even my daughter was like, this is the song of the week. <laughs> yeah, but she never understood because the song was like, it was just like a... Uh, a comfort, consolation for me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for giving us the opportunity to come together. And Lord, we're not taking, taking it for granted because sometimes, Father, we take a lot of things for granted. And Lord, we want to thank you this morning for the gift of life. We want to thank you for your protection around us. We want to thank you just to come together as a family. Lord, to worship you, Father, to encourage each other father fellowship with each other lord and we thank you for your word this morning father that you will speak through me holy spirit though i've prepared some stuff but lord father you know what every single one of us need and lord just speak to us and let your name be glorified in jesus name amen you know this week and even last week was a very challenging week for me and my family I had my junior sister back in Cameroon, where I come from. She went through operation, and um, it was an operation to remove a fibroid from her uterus, but they had to take all her uterus out. But for some reason, it didn't work out the way it was. It was supposed to, 
So it was Thursday last week, and she went through operation. We were praying, and then when she came out, she just kept losing blood. Just kept losing blood. It's like, we need blood, we need blood, we need blood. And you know what? In total, she received 17 pints of blood. So after like a couple of hours, it took her like four or five hours to regain consciousness. And then as she kept losing blood, they decided to take her back into the operation room. So she had a second operation, and they had to, you know, discover where she was losing blood and, and clean her up and then, you know, sew the wound again, and she came back to herself. And it was just one thing from the, uh, to the other, you know. And when I sat there, I was praying, and I was just thinking, you know what, we take life for granted. When we are alive, you, we, we focus on all the things that we don't have, all the challenges that we're going through, and we just forget that life in itself is a gift. Just the fact that you wake up in the morning, you are in good health, it is a gift. And we have to celebrate God for that. You know, when I saw her, now she's out of the hospital, and I'm thinking, I could have just lost my sister like that. And, you know, and that's how people die. And to be honest, some people die, you know, untimely. And some people go because it's their time to go and be with the Lord. And I want to really thank God for the medical team and all the people that stood in the gap for for her to pray. But it taught me one thing, because it's someone very close to me, that we shouldn't take life for granted. When we wake up every day, let's learn to celebrate God just for that gift of life. We're talking about Father Days. You know, there are some women, some of us, all the time we spend is to nag our spouse and angry and angry. You know what? We need to celebrate them. Because tomorrow when they are not there, you begin to cry and you begin to think, what are some of the things I would have done with that person? Whether it is your sister, whether it is your brother. You know what? Let's learn to celebrate people around us. You know, tell them that we love them. If we have to spend time with them, make time for them. Amen? This is not part of my message, but the Holy Spirit is just putting that on my mind because it's something that we, we neglect so many times. Amen. Terry, my head is cutting my head. I don't know whether I should move this puppet behind. Yeah, that's fine now. Okay. Yeah, it's on now. Right. We've been going through the book of Luke. We just started the book of Luke, and um, we're still on chapter 1. And it's piled up with so many, you know, interesting characters. When I was preparing this message, you look at someone like Mary, you look at someone like Elizabeth and Zechariah, John the Baptist who was born, every single one of them we can learn from these people. You know, their characters, what they've been through, and what the Lord did through them. And I always like to say every character that is in the Bible, they're just people like you and me, ordinary people. There are some who did exceptional things, but that wasn't because they were exceptional. It's just because, you know what, they allowed God to use them. And then they did these things through the power of the Holy Spirit, not their own power. So which means it's you and me, we decide to set ourselves apart and say, you know what, God, I want to be used by you. He's not a respectable of person. You know what, he will use you and he will use me. And you know, we're living in the last day where God is looking. Where is that vessel? 
Where is that person who chooses to separate themselves? Where is that person who chooses, you know, to die to self, to forget about their plans and forget about, you know, their ambition and will just surrender to me and say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Here am I. Send me. Amen. So I'm going to cover us from verse, verse 67. So I'll tell you something that will make you laugh. When I saw this, I'm like, why did Pastor Rob give me this part? He should have given me, you know, this area or that area. I should have, you know, enough to talk about. <laughs> and when I saw it, that's what I was thinking. And I was laughing. I said, no, for sure, Pastor Rob knows what he's doing. And you know what? Any passage in the Bible, when we spend time in the presence of God and seek the Holy Spirit, he will always give us something out of it. It doesn't matter what that passage is. Sometimes you can just read, you know, this begotten, that, that begotten, this, this begotten. You think, what can come from begotten and begotten and begotten? But when we spend time in his presence, he will show us something. The reason why, you know, those begottens are there. Amen. So we're going to read as from verse 67. It says, now his father, career. No, sorry. It's from us, verse 59. So it was on the eighth day that they came. Carrie, see, caught in my head. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zachariah. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by, by this name. So they made sign to his father that he will have him call, um, what he will have him call. And he answered, he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loose and he spoke praising God. Then fear came on all who dwell around them. And all these saying were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts saying, What kind of child would this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. So I'm going to stop there. I'll read later on. Now, before I kind of look into what we read, I just want to take us back. Zechariah was a priest, so he was taking care of the temple, you know, offer sacrifices and things like that. He was married to Elizabeth, and, you know, they didn't have a child. And can you just imagine you are a priest serving God and just doing what God has called you to do, and you and your wife, and they've been praying for a child and praying and praying. God didn't answer and now they were kind of, they were old already, you know, and I don't think he even had any hope of having children again. And, you know, the angel appeared to him. If you read as from verse 6, he said, the angel, when the angel appeared to him and the angel told him, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been answered. You're going to have a child. And I, he was just looking at that angel like, are you sure of what you're saying? Because when we look further... It says that he doubted because he asked the angel, how is this going to be possible? You know, my wife and myself, we are well advanced in age. And the Bible says that Zechariah and, uh, and his wife Elizabeth, they were righteous. 
you know, they were living according to biblical principle, following what the Bible was saying. And I'm thinking he probably, and his wife as well, thinking we are doing everything that God has called us to do. You know, we are working according to biblical principle. Why is it that we can't have a child? And you are here this morning, probably you've asked yourself that question. And sometimes we come to that place where we ask ourselves that question. When we face certain challenges, we think, Lord, I've been walking before you. Lord, I've been doing your will. Lord, whatever you've asked me to do, I've done it. Why is this that I'm still going through this? Why is, this, is it that I'm still facing all of this? But you know what? We're not obeying God because of his blessing. You know, I'm not walking in integrity because I want God to answer my prayers. I'm not obeying God's words because I want God to answer my prayer. I'm obeying God's word because guess what? I love him. Because that's what the Bible says. Because I want to please him. Now, I want my prayers to be answered, but it's up to him whether he will answer those prayers or not. It's up to him to know whether I even need what I'm asking for. It's up to him to know the timing to give me what I am asking for. Amen? So he waited until Elizabeth and Zechariah was old. And I like God because he likes to glorify his name. You know, he doesn't want anyone to take credit. You know, when you are young and you can have children, you think, oh, I'm strong. I'm, I'm fine. You know what I'm saying? I'm in my 20s. And when you have a child, you think, well, we, we, we did it. But when you're past 60, you know, past menopause and everything when the doctor says it's impossible, and then something like that happened, guess what? You give all the credit to God. And you're probably going through some challenges this morning. You know what? The Lord is just asking me to tell you that it is well. He is, it is well. He is the God who answers prayers. He is the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. He is the same God, you know what, who visited Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth. He has not changed. If you would just hold on to him, if you would just trust him, you know, through the process, knowing that he will come true for you, hallelujah, and indeed he would do it. So when he told um, Zachariah that you're going to have a child, Zachariah doubted. And the angel just said, well... I am Gabriel. I stand before the Lord. So when I'm saying these things to you, you ought to believe me. But the fact that you're not believing, what I'm going to do is that you're going to be mute. You're not going to speak until this child is born. And I begin to ponder. I'm thinking, but why is it that, you know, the Lord will have to close his mouth? Because our words are powerful. What we say can abort a miracle in the making. And the Lord knew that because of that doubt in Zechariah's heart, if I allow him to keep talking, this miracle is not going to take place. And I'm telling you, there have been times where we aborted our miracle because we kept looking at the situation and looking at how impossible that thing is rather than looking at the God of possibilities, the God who can do anything. Amen. So he just zip it, Zechariah, you're not going to speak. And, and the, word, the word of God said in Proverbs 18, 21, it said, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. He that loves it shall eat the fruit thereof. So whatever we declare is powerful. 
You know what? We can have doubt. There are times where you have doubt, but don't voice them out. Satan cannot read our mind. He cannot read what is there. But the truth is, when we open our mouth and begin to say it, guess what? He will put his spirit and his demon, all those things in action to ensure that what we said, you know what, will come to pass. So if we say life and death are in the power of the tongue, when we declare the word of God, we will also see the accomplishment. When we say negative things, you know what? They happen. So he has to close the career's mouth. You're not going to speak until when this child is born. In the book of Job chapter 22 verse 28, it says this. It says, you shall decree a thing and it shall come to pass. Hallelujah. I think that's a powerful verse. I don't know what you've been decreeing. But decree life. Decree hope. Let's decree things that we want to see. And you know what? And they shall come to pass. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And you know, and when we started reading, it says, then the time came for um, Elizabeth to give birth. You know, having a male child was very important in the Jewish culture. You know, having, having a child is important, but a male child for them was something that was a ceremony. So what they did is, the eighth day, they normally have to circumcise the child because that was a covenant that God gave to Abraham that every male child in your house has to be circumcised on the eighth day. So with that, that was just, you know, an outer sign of a covenant that they were the people of God. We don't need that. You know, the Bible says that the circumcision that we need now is the circumcision of our hearts and not, you know, not, not the physical one that you can see. So when the time came to circumcise this child and give this child a name. So people came together to celebrate with them and still Zechariah couldn't speak. So when they asked the name, Elizabeth said is um, John. But they were, it was kind of strange because children were uh, meant to be named after their parents. So no one is your family. In your family is called John. Why would you name him John. And then they make signs to Zechariah, and then he wrote John. Do you know the meaning of John? Any of you knows the meaning of John? Yeah, it means God is gracious. Yeah, God is gracious. And when I was reading, I'm like, and immediately when Zechariah wrote that name down, John, his tongue, you know, was loose, and he started to speak. What does that mean? He saw that grace. God is gracious. You know, he's experienced that grace, that mercy of God. Okay, you probably just have to put that thing off because now it's my leg. So, he, he experienced the grace of God. He experienced, or oh, you could just, you should have just held it. Because there, was, there were a few people watching. So he experienced the grace of God. And guess what? We experience that grace every day. The Bible says that it's because of the mercies, all the grace of God that we are not consumed. Hallelujah. And under that, Zechariah started to speak. You know, the spirit of prophecy came on him. He started to declare the word of God. 
Because when the angel visited him, the angel told him what the life of John was going to look like. What God has called John to do. And now that his mouth was loose, he started to tell things about this child. But not just the child. But started to speak about the prophecies that God gave in the past with regard to the Messiah. Hallelujah. Let's just keep on reading. As from verse 67. He said, now his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercies promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way. To give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercies of our God, which the day spring from on high has visited us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the ways of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. So Zechariah is saying, you know what? This child, you are going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And he's talking about the Messiah that the Jew, the Jewish have been waiting for to save them from their enemy. But the thing is, you know, they, 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 there was a misconception because they were expecting a savior that will come to save them from, you know, the dominion of the Roman Empire. But that wasn't what God intended to do. God was looking further than that. He was sending a savior that was going to save them from their sin. And that's the thing in our life, you know, there are things that we think are important. You know, they are very important. Even when we pray, we say, God, do this and God, do that. And God is looking and thinking, this thing for now is not even important. This is what is important in your life. I have to deal with this first before I deal with what you are asking for. And you know, we sit back sometimes, we begin to moan and begin to cry. God, you're not listening to me. God, you're not doing this. But God is at work. Because when God sent Christ, the children of Israel were expecting some, you know, they were expecting someone to come and save them from the Roman Empire. And that's why some of them did not even acknowledge Jesus. So he sent a savior to save them from their sin. And so he sent Jesus to save us from our sin. And you know what? Because sin has always been a problem. They were doing lots of sacrifices just to deal with sin. And God is like, okay, no, I need to deal with this problem once and for all. I'm going to send my son so he will come and pay the price once and for all. So you don't have to deal with this issue of sin again. Hallelujah. So he can make a way so that you can worship me. You can come boldly, you know, before my throne of grace and receive mercy in times of need. 
Hallelujah. How beautiful is that? John 3, I'm sorry, not John 3. Romans 3, 23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus came and deal with the problem of sin. I want us to read the book of Romans chapter 6 as from verse um, 11. It says this. It said, likewise you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12 said, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey in need it lost. And do not present yourself as instrument of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from from dead and your members as instrument of righteousness to God. For sin shall no longer have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. That's what Jesus came to do. You know what? To deal with sin. So sin will no longer have dominion over us. So we will be free to serve God the way we should. And I like what um, Zechariah said in um, Chapter 1 of Luke, verse 74, it says, because he, he was talking about when the Savior comes and what the Savior is going to do, save them from their enemy. And in verse 74, he says, to grant us that we be delivered from the hand of our enemy, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. So the purpose for which... You know, the Savior was meant to come to save them from their enemy, not the Romans, their enemy that was sin, so that they are able to now serve God without fear, in holiness and in righteousness. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus came to do, to save us from sin. Which is why Romans said that sin will no longer have dominion over us because we do not live under the law. We live under grace. And because sin doesn't have dominion over us, guess what? We can now serve God without fear. We can now serve God in holiness. We can now serve God in righteousness. Amen. And it's very important. You know, when we talk about grace, there are people who say, oh, no, the grace of God is sufficient. You know what? But grace of God is not licensed to sin. The grace of God is there. It's true. We will miss the mark. I mean, to be honest, there are times we will go wrong. And that's why the grace of God is there. But the grace of God doesn't mean I choose to do what is wrong. I choose to live my life anyhow. I choose to walk anyhow just because I know that you know what the grace of God is available. I would choose to mess up and then I'll go back and say, Lord, you know, your grace. And no. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandment. So when we love him, we choose to obey his word. We choose to work according to, you know, his precept and his principle. And let me say something, right? Jesus paid the price for sin, but sin still has consequences. When we do wrong, there are consequences to sin. You know, there are some prayers that we pray, Satan, we bind you, we bind you, we bind you, and Satan is like, why are you binding me? I have nothing to do with your business. 
You put yourself, you know, in that place, not me. Your disobedience took you there. So we spend time unbinding and binding and nothing happened. You know, what we need to do is just adjust our footstep, take the right direction, and then everything come back into place. And we Pentecostal, we are good at binding. <laughs> you bind until there is nothing to bind. <laughs> Let's choose to walk in the ways of God. I like the song that you put, I think the very last one. I choose to live holy. Purify my heart. You know, let me be like gold. Refine gold. Refine this fire. Guess what? But that refining doesn't come easily. When I was listening, I'm like, you know, when you sing this song and you pray it, refining is not an easy process. It hurt. It hurt when God tells you that you hang out with friends. You love those friends and he begins to tell you that I'm walking in your life and those friends are not good for you. You need to separate from them. You know, and you have to do it if you want to grow in God and you really want him to use you. You know, you take pleasure watching TVs and all those soap operas and all this, those things. And the Lord said, I want to use you. I need your time. You need to stop. In as much as you enjoy them, you say, okay, I have to. It hurts. But you know what? He refines you. He refines us. And you know, when that refining process is finished, it's never finished anyway. As long as we are on earth, we still go through it. It's just different, different areas of our lives. But when we look back and look at certain areas of our life today, I don't know about you, but me, there are areas when I look back and think, wow, girl, you've changed. And you know what? I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of what Jesus has done in my life. But the truth is that when I was going through that process, I didn't like it at all. It was hurting. It was painful. But you know what? He gives us the grace. He gives us the grace. Zachariah said, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So which means we need to depend on the Holy Spirit to be able to do those things that he has called us to do. To be able to walk through the process of pruning, of separation. You know, when we say holy, holiness is not you know, it's unfortunate. Some churches, it's like holiness, you cover your whole hair, you walk, you wear your clothes, they're down here, and you do. No offense to that if that's the way that they want to be, but that's not holiness. That's not holiness. You can cover your head from head to toe, cover yourself, but your heart, there is wickedness in your heart. There is jealousy. There is envy and all of those things. You're not living a holy life. Sorry. It's not an outer appearance. Is a lifestyle that people can see and see Christ in us and through us. Hallelujah. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, as from verse 20, he's talking about, you know, the different vessels that are in a nobleman's house. You know, there are vessels of clay, there are vessels of silver, there are vessels of gold, and he says that, if you want to be used, he said you purge yourself. If you want to be a vessel of honor into the man's hand, you have to purge yourself. What are you purging yourself from? From all the things that are not from God. It's the song was saying, I choose to live holy. You know what? I choose to be that vessel of honor. I choose to be that vessel that God will use. For his glory. And it's your choice, it's mine. 
Inasmuch as God has plans for you and me, he will never force them on us. We have to make the choice. Now, when you read, after Zechariah said all of these things, he says that John grew strong. And guess what? He says John was in the desert, you know, for preparation. He was in the desert until the time came for the manifestation of what God has called him, you know, to do in Israel. You know, if we are going to be used by God, if we are going to become all that God wants us to be, there is time for separation, time for preparation. You know, when we talk about holiness, it's just meaning setting ourselves apart, you know, be separated from the common things. John the Baptist was in the desert. Guess what? In the desert, do you meet people there? Have you been to the desert? When I went to Dubai, I went to the desert. It's not somewhere you meet people. I mean, you don't even find living creatures. How much more of human beings? So he was separated. Well, it, desert just means, the way I would put it here, that in John's time, it was literally desert. But what the Lord is t- saying to us, it just means separation, you know, from all those distractions. Getting ourselves in that place where God prepares us. You know what? Whatever he asks us to do, we need preparation. You cannot manifest without preparation. Jesus had a ministry of three years and a half on earth. He was very successful. Guess what? For 30 years, he was being prepared. He was God. And sometimes God calls us to do things. We just want to jump into it. We just want to do it. You know what? No, let's resist that urge. Let's stay in that place where God prepares us, where we are strong. Because otherwise, when we go out there, there are challenges. And if we are ill-prepared, you know what? The enemy will take advantage of our lack of preparation. Amen? The people said, you know, we wonder what God has for this child. Because everything surrounded his bed was kind of special. And, and, and maybe you're sitting there thinking, yes, it was really special. But you know, oh, we are all special. We are all special. The Bible says that we are, we are God's masterpiece. You know, created in Christ Jesus to do the work that he prepared for us beforehand. Just like John the Baptist's future was prophesied. You have a future. I have one that the Lord has already prepared for us to manifest But how do we do that? You know, we need to go back to God. The one who created us, the one who said to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I called you to be prophet unto the nation. And you know what he's saying, Lou, before you were formed in your mother's womb, whether Lucy and each and every one of us, I already knew you. I already had plans for your life. You know what? What I need for you is to come back to me. And begin to ask me, let me show you what I've called you to do. Because believe me, a life without walking in the plans of God is just a waste of life. We might be successful, you know, based on the world standard. You have a good job, you have a good car, you have a good house. But if that is all what there is, that is not success in God's eye. Success in God's eyes is fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. Amen? And God's purpose can just be something, and you know, really simple. I remember one lady was saying to me, I don't know my purpose. I, don't. I said, you know what? I'm just a housewife. I said, no, even being a housewife, taking care of your children, that is a purpose. 
What was Mary's purpose? To take care of Jesus. She gave birth to Jesus. She looked after Jesus. That was her purpose. Was she successful? Yes. He came, he died, and he fulfilled his purpose. That today, me and you, we are saved. But if Mary did not prepare herself to make herself that vessel of honor that God could look and say, I want to use a woman's woman, he chose Mary. Amen? Let's not compare ourselves to others because that's what killed people. Most of the time, you know, this person is doing this. I want to do this. I want to do that. No. Let's seek what God has called us to do. Ask him. He will guide us. He will show us. And when we walk in the purpose of God, believe me, our life is successful. Not based on, you know, the ed rate of success, but God's rates of success. Amen? So, I just want us to pray. I just want you where you are, you know what, just thank God for his grace. Thank God for your life. And just thank him for sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. And pay the price for our sin. If you don't yet know what you should do for the Lord, just ask him, Lord, I want to serve you. And, you know, I want you to show me how and show me where, you know, you want me to serve you. And he will show you. His desire is for us to impact life for the kingdom of God. You know, just John went and he, prayed, he made a way for Jesus. He was shouting, repent, you know what? And, and, and be baptized and let your sin be forgiven. He made a way and Jesus came. And you know what? All of us are called at least to do two things. To preach the gospel to people and to intercede. So if you say, I don't know what God has called me to do. There are two things that at least each and every one of us can do. We can tell someone about Jesus. We can pray for people. We can pray for the world. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you, Father, for speaking to us. And Lord, we come to you, we just surrender to you, Father. Lord, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters, Father, going through challenges, just like Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, who were barren. Well, they had no hopes, but Lord, you showed yourself. And Lord, you gave them a child where they already lost every hope. And Father God, if there is anyone here who found themselves in that place where they've lost hope, they've been praying and, and trusting you, Father, I pray that you will show up for them. I pray, Father, that you will give them a testimony that is worthy of your praise. And Father, I pray for ourselves, Father. Lord, you said sin will no longer have dominion over us because you sent your son to deal with the problem of sin. So, Lord, I ask you, Father, that you grant us the grace to choose to set ourselves apart. Grant us the grace, Father, to choose to live in holiness, to live a life, Father God, of integrity, to live a life of righteousness. Not on our own, Father, because we can't do it by ourselves. But we thank you that you en enable us to do it, Father, in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Father God, that you also use us, Father, for your glory. Father, show us, Father, areas where you want to use us. And also enable us, Father. Let, let's set aside time, Lord, where you prepare us through your Holy Spirit and equip us, Father, to be able to do what you've called us to do. And that, Lord, at the end of the day, your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray.